Okay, so we're in Genesis chapter 4, so I hope you have some form of the Bible with you. It's very important, I think, all the senses get saturated with God's Word, living and powerful, sharpen any two-edged sword. It divides between thoughts and tents of the heart. God's Word is, the one, is what examines us, it convicts us, it reproves us, it teaches us, it corrects us. It's just a wonderful thing. Would you say amen? So Genesis chapter 4, let's read verses 1 through 12. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. So Lord, again, we want to hear what the Spirit is saying. We want to give our attention to your word. Lord, you said it's in hearing it and then applying it that we're building our lives on the rock. When the, when the storms come and beat on our lives, we will remain standing because our foundation is in your word, hearing it and then doing it. So I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us through the things I prepared. Break them fresh. Lord, we're hungry. Faith comes by hearing. We know we need your word. We need our faith strengthened this morning. Meet us here, Lord. Speak to us. May we leave here saying, truly, God is among us. Bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So some, some scripture that you're probably familiar with. This one particularly. As Moses, Matthew 3, uh, beginning in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, in other words, crucified on the cross, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, what, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why we call him Savior, capital S. In Luke chapter 3, the scribes and Pharisees complained that Jesus was hanging out with sinners. And so Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's where it all begins to happen. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 45, Jesus came to his disciples and said to them in the garden, Behold, the hour is at hand. 
The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Sinners. Romans, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, but the, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul said this to Timothy, his beloved son in the faith. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul said this, of whom I am chief. <laughs> you ever feel like the chief sinner? Paul the apostle said, I'm chief. In other words, he knew his tremendous need as a sinner for a savior. So this morning, the fall, sin, and the sinner. Last week, something happened in Genesis 3 that we studied, catastrophic, the consequences of which the rest of the Bible will now be dealing with. That's what the Bible is doing now. From the rest on, it's dealing with this issue of sin. From a perfect, beautiful beginning that was very good came this sinning against God that was very bad. And we are living in the results and consequences of that sin. And so we were born sinners. A sinner by fallen nature cannot correct the wrong. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. With men, Jesus said, that is impossible. But as we looked at last week, but with God, all things are possible. Now, there's just two studies in, this, in, in the fall in Genesis chapters 1 through 11. We'll get creation, the fall. Next, we'll get the flood, which is four chapters. But really, that's the banner over these two chapters. With God, with men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. This didn't sort of come on God by surprise. So, the Bible is God himself going on record that he himself would deal with sin right from the beginning all the way until it is finished. That's what the Bible is about. It's the story, the record of God's redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. So he himself would deal with sin precisely. He would deal with it prophetically. And he would deal with it perfectly. God himself would deal with sin in all of time and all of eternity. God the Father dealt with sin personally when he sacrificed his only begotten son on the cross for us sinners that are going to be saved by our Savior. That's foundational. That's the thread. That's the anchor that we have when we read what happened in Genesis 3, 4, and then throughout the rest of the Bible, God going on record, I am going to deal with sin for you. And so I thought of Jesus as he's on that cross. We read in Mark 15, and those who pass by, he's on the cross, hideously disfigured, in torturous pain. And those who pass by, passed by, blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Brothers and sisters, may I say to you, thank God he didn't. He died on that cross to save you and me from our sin. 
It's the sin and the sinner now that we're talking about. And that's you and me. It says in Romans chapter 15, or chapter 5, there is no 15. <laughs> Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus all sinned. And then in Genesis, uh, Romans 5 again. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act. Listen, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. It's through the cross and our Savior. And so... Sin and the sinner. In verses 1 and 2, Adam knew Eve. You have Cain that shows up, the firstborn, and then Abel, the secondborn. The word uh, Cain means acquired one, no doubt pointing back to Genesis 3.15, where we read, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. So here is Adam and, Adam and Eve giving birth to Cain and looking at him as the answer to this prophecy that was given. The name Abel means breath or, or vapor. Now, the interesting thing is the verb itself is in the negative sense. It's of having no substance and being something very close to nothing. Now, how would you like to be named Abel? <laughs> but here is what Abel means. Ab, Ab means source. L means God. So I look at his name as saying this, that I think we can all say to ourselves, Abel knew he was nothing without God. Can I hear an amen? We are without hope without God. We are nothing without God. So the name Cain, Cain we find it 21 times in the Bible, 18 times in Genesis chapter 4, and all the other three times are in the New Testament. We'll look at that in a moment. The name Abel is used 25 times in the Bible, eight times in Genesis 4, three four times in the New Testament, and every other mention of this name Abel has to do with geographical locations. So really, what we're reading about Cain and Abel are in Genesis 4 and in the New Testament. We're getting our understanding of what's going on here. Now, the other thing that is to note in Genesis 4 is the term brother. We find it really eight times, but one of them has to do with this guy named Jubal in verse 21. But seven times we read of brother. The first three times, it's his brother Abel. So his brother by birth. Then we read this one time, am I my brother's keeper? And then three times, your brother. The fact is, yes, you are your brother's keeper. We are to be taking care of one another. And so we have this conflict that arose in Abel's heart, in, uh, in Cain's heart, about his brother Abel. Now let's talk a little bit more about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were the same. They were sinners, yes, but they were created in God's image. Can I hear an amen? All sinners are created in God's image as human beings. So Cain and Abel were the same sinners, yes, but created in God's image. So they were both born after the fall of Adam and Eve. They were sinners. They were both born outside the garden. So the same environment in their beginnings. They had the same parents. They were brothers. They both worked. They both had jobs. They were both equally loved and valued by God. And both had a knowledge of God. So in many ways they were the same. But Cain and Abel were different 
Sinners, yes, but designed very uniquely by God as individual human beings. So Cain was the firstborn. That always makes a difference. (laughs) Abel was the secondborn. They were two completely unique human beings in personality, preference, giftings, talents, the things they like to do, as we are the same. Excuse me, as we are the same uniquely. Now it says Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Fourth, though both were equally loved by God, and though both had a knowledge of God, they were very different in how they responded to God. Why is that? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Cain and Abel, here it is. The difference is the same. It's a sinner's response when they sin. It's the sinner's attitude toward his or her sin. That's the difference that's the same. How are you responding to sin in your life? How do you see it? What are you doing with your sin? You see, the sin and the sinner is central to understanding what it means to know and walk with and love God. It's what am I going to do when I sin? So, Sin, first of all, requires a substitute sacrifice. That's the deal. Sin requires a substitute sacrifice. So God the Holy Spirit in the New Testament beautifully fills in the gaps as to what lies in the heart of the lives of Cain and Abel. Their attitude and responses as sinners to sin. Cain, again, three times in the New Testament. And here are the three things that banner these passages. Of Cain, it says, the woe, the way, and the wicked one. Now, let's read these. Again, I hope you'll go with me in your Bible. Jude, verse 11. Very end of the book of the New Testament, into your Bible, before Revelation. Jude 11. Woe to them, that is the apostates, the one who rebelled against God, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So he's lumping these guys together. What do you have here? You have the way of Cain, you have the greediness of Balaam, and you have the rebellion of Korah. There's an issue here with the way of Cain. Lumped together with these other two things. Go to 1 John. Again, you're, you're going a little bit further the, the, toward the front of your Bible. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10. Again, Cain in the New Testament. The woe, the way, and the wicked one. Here we have the woe, uh, excuse me, the wicked one. And this is, <laughs> it's pretty dark, but this is Cain. So we understand what's going on. In this, 1 John 3.10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because he hated him. But here it is. Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. So there's Cain for you right there very clearly. The woe, the way, 
and the wicked one. Now, Abel, we find him four times in the New Testament, really three times, because one's the repetition given to us as recorded in Matthew and in Luke. So go to Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23, and here's what, of, of Cain we have the woe, the way, and the wicked one. What we have of Abel is righteous, righteous, righteous. So there's a contrast here between these two brothers in their responses, in their relationship with God and sin. So in Matthew 22, again, this is repeated in Luke chapter 11, we read this, verse 33. Serpents, brood of vipers. Now this is gentle Jesus saying, serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill, just like Cain, uh, Cain did, and crucify. And some of them you will scour, scour, scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. In other words, God's spoken prophets, God's people that he sent to them to speak to them, this is how they treated them. They hated them. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel, the first murdered victim, to the blood of Zechariah, son of Bacchari, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this. In other words, judgment is coming to them. So this is Abel. Jesus himself says he's righteous. Now, two, the final two passages are key. The first one particularly. Go to the book of Hebrews now, chapter 11, where we find Abel again in this fantastic sacred book called Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of faith chapter, he begins by saying, faith is the substance of hope for the evidence things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith, we, believe, we know that the world was made by things that were not seen. So he talks about creation. Next verse, verse 4, he's talking now about Abel. He says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, what we just read in Genesis, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. The, light, the faith of, Abraham, of Abel speaks today as loudly as it did back then when the contrast was so evident between Abel and his brother Cain. He was operating his life by faith in what God had shown him and them. Now go finally, go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you, verse 22, Hebrews 12, but you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. I love this verse. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. He's, speaking, he's making a contrast here in Hebrews about the old covenant and the new. Mount Zion that he's talking about now and Mount Sinai where the law was given. And what the law could not do, Jesus did. So he's talking about all those things. To God, the judge of all, to the spirit of just men made perfect. Now, here it is. To Jesus, the mediator of what? The new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So, listen. This prophetic voice still speaks because of the faith of Abel. God is speaking through what he, his life that we're looking at in Genesis chapter 4. So Abel's blood 
The blood of a righteous man cries out for what? Judgment. The blood of Christ cries out with love and mercy and forgiveness. The Abel's blood, the blood of a righteous man, cannot atone for sin, not even his own. Only the blood of Jesus Christ atones for sin because Jesus knew no sin. So this new covenant is in, the new, in, in what Jesus accomplished for us. So sin requires a substitute sacrifice, but listen, but not just any sacrifice. It's not just any sacrifice. Abel's was the way of faith in the substitute sacrifice that we saw in Genesis when God covered them with skins. Cain's was the way of man's pride in really scoffing at the need for a substitute. And that's what happens. That's the difference. Dividing line. When human reasoning replaces divine revelation, we have a problem. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're doing a lot of, through the word here, but I hope you're keeping up with me. You're catching up to me probably is more like it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? 1 Corinthians 1, 20. Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified the cross. To the Jews a stumbling block and the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What we're talking about here is God's wisdom in the cross and putting our faith, as we read in in John chapter 3, just look to the cross as Moses lifted up the serpent, so Jesus lifted up. We look to the cross and through believing God's provision, believing God's pattern, believing God's way, we are saved Not because we've done anything. It's not by works of righteousness. Now, we have failed to see that we have elevated Cain to a high rank among us. This idea of human reasoning about what God has declared in his revelation or contrary to it. Cain leads many of our institutions of thought. Cain edits many of our papers and magazines. Cain teaches in many of our classes, is president of many institutions of learning. Cain has been ordained in the ministry in many a denomination where human reasoning is replacing divine revelation. And when you do that, you have just lost everything that's ours through faith. I said, yeah. Hebrews said, see, they do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape him who refused, who spoke on earth, and how much, much more shall we not escape? We turn away from him who speaks from heaven. In the Bible, Abel's life this morning, the life of faith. And he, by faith, he offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. He came through it, he obtained witness that he was righteous. 
Sin requires a sacrifice, but not just any sacrifice. Therefore, brother, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, he was on the cross. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Of faith. Oh, I love it. By faith we have been saved. By faith we believe what God provided is sufficient. And God looked at that and he sees the sufficiency of the need for a sacrifice, a substitute sacrifice in his son Jesus Christ crucified. By faith Abel offered to God more acceptable sacrifice. It wasn't the way of man. It wasn't the way of works. It was the way of faith in believing what he knew God had given to him. There had been a divine revelation, a prior understanding. And finally, in this part, but not just any sacrifice, but a sacrifice that's acceptable to God. A sacrifice God will accept. So, it says in the process of time, understanding there was a, it seems there was a designated time of the sacrifice. And they brought their sacrifices, their offerings, and there may have been a, de- a designated place. So there's a difference in the offering. Cain brings of the fruit. Abel brings the firstborn. A blood sacrifice. Now there had been revelation because God would not hold them account if there hadn't been. So he brings the work of his hands. Basically, here's the fruit of the fields. Abel brings the blood sacrifice. And knowing that that is what God had revealed. So Cain is very angry that God did not respect his offering. Cain was very angry that God would not accept his offering. That God did not respect, that God, and angry that God would respect this other from his brother. See, anger is a telltale when it comes to me and my sin. It's a telltale. And he's very angry at God And we find angry at his brother. Why? Because I want to do it my way. I want to do God to accept what I find pleasing. I don't want to go God's prescribed way on this. I don't want to be having to, you know, kind of do these things. They seem so stupid. You see, it's a sacrifice God will accept. That's what we must understand and know. So Cain's was the way of pride. Abel's is the way of faith in what God had already revealed to them. And we can only come to God, God's way. And listen, God has made it one of faith so that all can experience what he has for the sinner. If it were by works, who would measure up? And we have, we have, can you imagine if it was by works when we got to heaven? It wouldn't be heaven, it would be hell. <laughs> We'd be boasting and walking around just like we do here, a little bit, in this natural life. But God has demonstrated to us the sacrifice is sufficient by raising Jesus from the dead. And he said, if you believe in my provision, if you believe in my sacrifice, you will be saved. And then from there, I'll work on your life to bring about the sanctification that you desire from sin. See, we work from salvation, not for it, by faith. 
So Cain was rebellious, devising his own ways, envious of Abel. The problem came, the problem was that Cain was becoming more and more, listen, mastered by his sin. It's at your door, but you need to master that, God's saying. Sin, it's your choice. Always has been. And there it is, crouching at your door. You must master. And what happened? He got mad. You see, Cain's problem was in his heart towards God. And Abel's faith exposed it. And that's what happens. Jesus put it this way. Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to light lest his deeds should be exposed. That's what happens. The righteous living by faith, trusting God, enjoying God, makes people mad. <laughs> you just believe that and, you, and, and they get mad at that. It can't, no way. So Abel's was the way of faith in contrast to Cain being the way of sin. And that's the contrast. Two different lives. So Cain talked with Abel and then he killed him. Premeditated murder. He denied knowledge and responsibility for his sin. That's how he's responding. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Denying what he just did. Not wanting to be held accountable for it. And that's true of the sinner. Apart from meeting Christ. Verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now, I have read a lot of commentaries over the years. No one knows what the mark is. So whatever you're thinking is, you probably don't know either. But God put something on him. And the interesting thing, this is really the mercy of God for Cain. You see, Cain refuses to accept God's judgment about his sin. And so he's fighting God. Here we see a marvelous mystery that God's mercy protecting Cain anyway. In fact, for the rest of his life. Now, I think Cain, I believe, was about 730 years old when he died. He's probably about 100 at this point. So he's got 600 years where nothing changed for him, but God's still protecting him. And that's the mercy of God. God is long-suffering, not with any should perish. And sometimes we can look out and say, God, would you just take care of him? Take him. <laughs> you see, that's God's heart for the sinner. Abel's murder was very, very sad. But being that Abel died in faith, Cain's unrepentant heart and dying in his sin is much more, much sadder, as it is for the unbelievers that we know. We know in whom we believed, but they don't yet. And that's tragic. It's tragic now, hopefully it won't be tragic through all eternity. And so Cain died in his sin. We read that in the New Testament, basically. And so after this, the genealogy of Cain of the name of Cain, were given in a few verses, 16 through 24. It says there in verse 16, he went out from the presence of the Lord. That's telling. 
went out in that sense, but more than just out as we read in other passages where they were just leaving the temple, the tabernacle. They went out. He went out. And he dwelt in the land of Nod. Now that means literally nodding off. <laughs> it means falling asleep. That's the idea of wandering, the idea of exile, which is what his life was. And then we read of what happened to those in the years following with the name of Cain. And what we find is they prospered. His descendants became skilled, successful people. They built cities that bore their names. They became cattle ranchers. They became skilled and talented musicians. They were, they were bronze and iron workers. They were producing weapons and tools. They were not only prospering, they were wandering in the world. And so in this, I believe what we're seeing is that they're looking for meaning in life apart from God. That's a wanderer, a fugitive, an exile. May I say to you, all the success this world may bring you will be in no comparison to knowing God and having meaning in your life because that's what God created you for. So give yourself as you will to the worldly things. They will never, ever satisfy the hunger in your heart. You're clamoring after God and relationship with him. And listen, they will never be able to pay the price that Jesus paid already for you, that you might be with God in heaven for all eternity. They can't do that. Silver and gold can't do that. Nice cars can't get you there. Only faith in Jesus Christ will do that. And so their worldly wanders and their sin advanced. We read this guy Lamech, verse 19, his grandson. The name means to make low, and that's just what he did of God's laws where he introduced polygamy, verse 19, took two wives. And then in verse 23 to 24, the same Lamech is boasting to his wives about his treacherous, vengeful murder of a young man that hurt him. He's boasting about that to them. And here's what we close with. Sin requires, but sin required the substitute sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of God, on the cross for our sins. Yes. There's that whole mingling of joy and tears when we think about that. Sin required the substitute sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of God, on the cross for our sins. There is no other sacrifice but one, and that's the sacrifice of Jesus. And so we close this chapter, verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God had appointed another seed. So again, looking back to Genesis 3.15, and I was saying, okay, here's the replacement, Seth. And it means appointed one or foundation. For me, instead of Abel, whom Cain killed, I'm sure the ache of the mother and daughter's heart, that's heart is they're thinking about that. Because we know no one child can replace another child, ever. But here's this loss they experience through a murderous son. And now Seth is born. And what happens is their hope begins to be in God again. And that's what we need. In all, all the depths of our sorrow, we need to lift our eyes and say, God is still on the throne. And God has brought the appointed one for us. God has laid a foundation for us in Jesus Christ for all of our sickness and all of our sorrow 
and all the loss that this sinful world and we being sinning creatures have experienced in a fallen world. And so you have the sinner, sin in the sinner, Cain, the way of sin, and Abel, the way of faith. One life is mastered by its sin, and the other is mastered by the sacrifice, Jesus. The way of pride in Cain, the way of repentance in Abel. The way of rejection in Cain, the way of acceptance in Abel. Or I should say in Christ. The way of wickedness in Cain, the way of righteousness in Christ. The way of wandering in Cain, the way of worshiping in Christ. Simply this, it's the way of death or it's the way of life. Which will it be? All we like sheep have gone astray. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity is of us all. You see, sin required the substitute sacrifice, the substitute sacrifice of Jesus, Son of God, on the cross for our sins. Romans chapter 5. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps even for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Sin required the substitute sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of God, on the cross for our sins. And in doing so, Jesus reconciled us to God, not only in this time, but for all eternity. Peter said, Christ suffered for us, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And on and on go the scriptures. Finally, 1 John chapter 5. This is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. But he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Would you bow your heads and pray, my brothers and sisters, in the Lord? Because in closing, I want to make sure that as I've talked about it and as, Jesus, as God's word has been preached, that you will have heard in your heart, if you don't know God, scriptures like God so loves you, that he gave his only begotten son that you might not perish but have eternal life. God did not send Jesus in the world to condemn you, but that you might have life through him. And on and on go the scriptures you've heard today. And no amount of work and no amount of sacrifice that you think will help you in your relationship with God will. There's only one way you can come to God. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he, he gave his life on the cross. And there all of your sin was put on him. And God judged his son in your place. He is the substitute sacrifice. That all your sin was taken care of because God is just. He must punish sin. But rather than punish you, he punished his son. And through Jesus Christ's blood, that life shed, the wage of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. Jesus died in your place. 
And God now offers to you forgiveness of your sin. He declares that through your faith in Jesus Christ, through your repentance of sin and turning to Him, He will declare you now cleansed and washed and righteous. Just believe what God accomplished for you. And the reason you can believe that is God demonstrated it. And He loves you. So I would say this morning, as we're we're praying, will you today stop running and hiding from God? Will you today maybe confess some things in your heart? Maybe there has been anger. Maybe you just come to that place of repentance. Where you're turning now from those things because you know they haven't answered your questions. In fact, those questions have been rattling around your heart and they become harder and harder for you to manage. And God's presence with you and God's pressure in that sense is loving pressure to say, will you come to me today? So as we're bowing our heads, as we're praying, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. First, just raise your hand and say, yes, I want today to say yes to God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want my life changed. Secondly, I'm going to ask you to stand up. In so doing, you will find your obedience to the gospel and God will wipe away all the reasons you have up to this point because now you've made that choice, you've made that confession. And third, we ask you to walk up to one of the tables where there'll be someone there to pray with you as you come before God with your life and offer it to him now as his back to being his, to love you and care for you and direct your life. So if that's you, would you be, as we're praying, just put your hand up and would you keep that up so that I don't miss it. And all you're doing is say, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to forgive me. Just raise your hand if that's you. I see that hand back there. God bless you. We're praying. Eternal transactions between God and individual souls, just like for many of us in this room, are taking place just by a raise of a hand. God saying, yes. So just one more moment. If that's you, yeah, I want to say yes to Jesus today. So my brother, would you stand where you are? And if you don't mind, we're going to give it up a little bit for you today because something happened of eternal joy. You make your way to the table there and someone will play with you. So would you uh, stand? Let's take another song together and I'll come up and close this. Hi, I'm Kevin Day, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.